Who here enjoys roller coasters? Oh, a pretty good percentage of us, actually. Wow, I'm proud. Now, those who are raising their hands right now probably wouldn't be as excited about the prospect of a roller coaster if they couldn't trust their harness, right? Because the, the, the whole joy of a roller coaster is that you are being just hurtled through space at incredibly high speeds. You're going higher uh, than you would ever go in any other context. You have relinquished all control, but the only reason why that is exciting rather than terrifying is because you have the peace of knowing that you're secure. You can trust in that harness. You probably wouldn't go onto a roller coaster where they said, oh, by the way, all of our harnesses are faulty. At any given moment, any of them could give out. Please don't ever board a roller coaster like that. And yet, sometimes we go through life with very faulty harnesses, right? Because the whole excitement of life is that you don't have total control. If you try to pre-plan everything, welcome to a boring life that's always going to be disappointing. Because then you'll get what you asked for and you'll realize, oh, I'm not a very good author of my own life. Like, this actually isn't all that great. The excitement of life is in the fact that you're taken to places that maybe you wouldn't have planned on. The excitement of children is that you have this child and you have no idea what they're going to be like at 6 years old, 16 years old. How they're going to reflect back on their life at 60 years old or 96. So much of the unknown is exciting if we have something that can uh, securely harness us, but terrifying if we don't. Ultimately, what we're looking for in a secure harness is peace. We're looking for something that will give us a sense of peace in the midst of all the twists and turns. In the midst of all of the unknown, we need something that will ground us. But the problem is, very often, that we look for peace in all the wrong places. And so we go through life, rather than being excited about it, with this certain nervousness about it. We have this fear of anything unknown, anything that's to come. We can't trust in God with anything because we don't have a sense of peace. Okay, so where do we find our peace? Well, first, where do we not find it? In circumstances. That's where we often look for it, and that's where we make our first and fatal mistake. That we think, I will be able to finally have peace when my circumstances change. When the kids grow a little bit more, then I'll finally be a peaceful person. Once I have a little, bit money in, a little bit more money in the bank account, then I will finally know peace. Once I get to a certain position at work, then I will have peace. Once my family stops being crazy and learns from the other ones how to behave, then I will finally have peace. Once my health is in order, I will finally have peace. But in all of those circumstances, we don't have the final piece of a secure harness that's going to keep us strapped down to where we need to be so that we can enjoy the ride of life. No. With any and all circumstances, we know that even when they're going well, they can change at a moment's notice. 
See, that's where putting our, or seeking our peace in external circumstances is never going to make us happy. It's only a recipe for frustration, disappointment, and ultimately anger and despair. Because let's say every circumstance in my life is great. I've got so much money, a job that I love, a family that loves me. I have all sorts of friendships, and I am just a perfect picture of health. Any of that can be taken away. And we've all known loss in a family or of a dear friend and how it, it maybe set us down this spiral of sadness and despair because we placed all of our trust and all of our need for peace in that relationship. Or maybe we got a diagnosis that we were feeling totally fine and then, you know, something was a little bit off and then maybe we felt a little lump. And now all of what we had placed our peace in, our our physical health, was taken away from us. And we think, how am I supposed to live? Could have been a loss of a job. Could have been uh, an accident of some sort. I don't know. It's your life. You can fill in the blank. But we've all experienced something where the external circumstances changed and we were robbed of our peace. And so today the Lord wants to give us a peace that is not contingent upon external circumstances. No, he wants to give us a peace that will endure through all the twists and turns of life. And so what does he say to us? He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Because the world gives us and can only give us a tenuous peace. A peace that, you know, could be taken away at a moment's notice. Not an eternal peace, not a lasting peace. No, Jesus gives us that peace that is not a, a, a function of all of the external circumstances in my life being good. No, he gives us the peace of his presence. And that's shown so beautifully throughout the Gospels, but especially in those scenes where we have recounted stormy seas. Right, you remember the scene where, where it's just the stormy sea. The apostles are there in the boat with Jesus and they think that they're about to drown. And what is Jesus doing? He's asleep. And the disciples are, they can't understand it. They're even mad with him. They say, Lord, do you not care that we're about to perish? And by that action of being asleep, Jesus is teaching us so much. It's almost as if he's saying, if only you could trust in the Father's love as much as I do. Don't you trust that the God who created this sea, who created you, who loved you into being, is going to take care of you? And so in his being asleep, St. Therese of Lisieux had this beautiful reflection on that exact point. She said, Lord, may I trust you so much that instead of waking you up in the midst of the storm, I can curl up next to you and fall asleep as well. Lord, give me a trust so great that you always uh, have my back, that you will carry me through whatever life throws at me, that I can rest peaceful even when there's chaos all around me. Right? It doesn't mean that we put our heads in the sand and we don't try to deal with our problems, but it means that we place our, our need for peace not in our own efforts, not in the external circumstances, but in the abiding presence of God. Who Jesus made clear, he says, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. If they have made their dwelling with us, 
If God is always present with me, then I finally have that firm anchor upon which I can rely. I finally have that harness that keeps me safe in the midst of all of the twists and the turns. So we received that in baptism. We receive it at every blessing. At every Mass, Jesus actually says to us, These exact words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Through the person of the priest, he actually says, peace be with you. You receive that peace. And then what do you do? You spread that peace. See, that's not just the intermission of the Mass where it's like, okay, we've been silent for so long, now we get to chat about the weather. No, when you say, when you share and exchange that sign of peace, that's meant to be you giving what you've just received. And what did you just receive? You received from the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ a sign of peace. He says at that moment, I love you so much that I would give my very life for you. And that is where you can find your peace, that you are loved with such an undying love. And so when you spread that peace, it's not just a time to chat, to joke around. That is a time to be able to say to anybody that you are spreading peace to, I love you like Christ loves me. And as he died for me, I am willing to die for you. And it's those kind of bonds that give us true peace. Those kind of bonds of that selfless love that Jesus has for us and we learn to have for each other that allows us to finally live in peace. Okay, so hopefully we're all convinced that the peace that we need is the peace of Jesus' presence in our lives. That that is the only kind of peace that the world cannot take away because the world is not powerful enough to take away God's love for you. We've been convinced, too, that in sharing that peace, we are sharing that selfless love that Jesus has for us. Okay, but how do we maintain that peace in us? Because maybe we've had it, in brief little spurts. Maybe we went on a retreat and we had the peace of Christ and we loved it so much. Maybe at our initial conversion experience where we started taking uh, care of our souls and our spiritual lives more, we had this experience of peace, but now it's faded. So how do we maintain it? Well, two ways. First, who do I listen to? Which spirit is it that is able to guide my actions? And then secondly, what do I do? How do I live? So first, which spirit do I listen to? We have in Scripture two very different spirits. We have in today's reading the one that Jesus gave us, the one that Jesus and the Father sent. Jesus says, I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. And it's immediately following this that he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so we see that the very peace of God that he fills us with is nothing other than his Holy Spirit, who is called the Advocate. So that's spirit number one is the Advocate, the one that's on your side, the one that is in your corner, the one that wants to, uh, not o- the one that not only understands you, but wants to give you understanding of yourself, of God, and of others. And who's the other spirit? Well, we read in Revelations 12.10, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. There we've got the two voices we can listen to, the advocate or the accuser. The accuser being the evil one, Satan. 
Now, what does the accuser lead us to believe? How does he lead us to think? My circumstances are the reason I'm unhappy. And who can I blame for my circumstances? Probably my family. No, maybe my friends. No, probably my boss. No, it's the mean church that calls me to do this or that or this other thing. It's them with all of their sins, all of their hypocrisy. You know who it is to blame? The politicians. Or you know who else maybe? Uh, It's just society at large. The celebrities. This person, that person. The accuser makes of every single other person an enemy. But it doesn't end there. Very often, if we're listening day in and day out to the voice of the accuser, always trying to find fault with our circumstances, always trying to lay the blame on everybody else, eventually we look in the mirror and we, d- we see they're initially a victim of everybody else's faults, but eventually we also see a culprit. And we turn that accusing finger on our reflection as well. And we say to that person, you failure. Don't you remember what kind of parent you thought you were going to be? Oh, you're falling short. Don't you remember what kind of spouse you thought you were going to be? Oh, you're not even close to that. Christianity, you're not living it out hardly at all. And if you listen to the voice of the accuser, you will find fault with all the world and eventually with yourself. And that peace that you sought in your circumstances, you will never find. But here's the place where we silence the accuser. Here's the place where we get to say, yes, yes, I've fallen short in pretty much every aspect of my life. But you know what? I have an advocate, the Holy Spirit. I have the peace of knowing that God knows me, that he's not shocked by my sin, that he is not scandalized by my weakness, but instead he knows it better than I do and still says, you're mine. And I am so proud of your efforts. I am so proud of the fact that you still try. And I see so much potential in you. The advocate is the one that looks deeply into our souls and sees there a child of God striving for fidelity. Imperfectly, but faithfully. The advocate is the one that can show us the goodness within us, but then also show us the goodness in others. If we're listening to the accuser, we only see the negative in every other person. We always assume that they are enemies trying to hurt us, obstacles to our happiness. If we listen to the advocate, we see in them brothers and sisters who are striving, who are imperfect just like we are. But we can have a little dose of understanding and compassion. We can see in them potential friends rather than definite enemies. And we can live a life of greater joy. Because we know the peace of encountering Jesus, even in the fallen human beings all around us. Even in the imperfections that we carry within ourselves. If we're looking for peace in all the circumstances, we'll never find it. But if we look for peace right here, we will find him. He will give us peace. He will fill us with the voice of the advocate so that we can always be seeking to find Jesus in every encounter, so that we can have more understanding and compassion for others and for ourselves. And then we can do what Jesus tells us to do to maintain our peace. This little final bit of advice that he gives to us, where he says, whoever loves me will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. It's as simple as that. If you love him, you keep his word. And then he underscores it by saying, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. It really is as simple as that. If you want want peace, 
Cling to Jesus. Keep his words. Try to actually live out this difficult but beautiful Catholic life. Listen to his mouthpiece in the church. Try to learn your faith and then live your faith. And then you will always have Jesus. And if you always have Jesus, you will always have peace.